0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome, everybody. You're watching Squatbox this Monday morning. Breaking news, hot off the press. First Citizens Bank has agreed to buy Silicon Valley Bank from the US Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, assuming all deposits and loans of the collapsed startup lender. Uh, Regulators weigh up disciplinary action against Credit Suisse, as the cost of insuring against defaults pushes shares in Deutsche Bank lower. But Chancellor Olaf Scholz rejects comparisons between the two organizations. Deutsche Bank has fundamentally modernized and reorganized its business and is a very profitable bank. There is no reason to worry.
1: Chinese industrial profits slump by more than 20% in the first two months of the year as manufacturers grapple with rising costs and an uneven COVID recovery. French Prime Minister Elizabeth Borne prepares to meet with opposition leaders amid widespread protests over pension reform, while Emmanuel Macron calls for calm.
2: I call on everyone to take responsibility, and I assure the police who did an exemplary job of my support. With the rest, we'll continue to move forward. The country deserves it and needs it. And Israel's president calls on the government to halt its judicial reforms just hours after the defense minister is sacked for opposing the plans, sparking mass protests across the country.
0: So, a very warm welcome, everybody, to Squatbox. And as I say, just literally as we were about to come to air, this news began to cross the wires. There is a deal for SVB. First Citizens Bank has brokered the purchase agreement for Silicon Valley Bank with the FDIC, assuming all deposits and loans. 17 former SVB branches will open under the first citizen's name from today and depositors with SVB will automatically become depositors with first citizens. I think it's worth just um, combing through the release here because there's a lot more information I think um, is material to the market and important for the market to understand so the transaction includes the buying of about seventy two billion dollars of Silicon Valley bridge bank Uh, National Association's assets at a discount of uh, 16.5 billion, Um, 90 billion in securities and other assets will remain in the receivership for disposition by the FDIC. So that 90 billion then will be dispersed by the FDIC to the appropriate owners. Depositors of Silicon Valley Bank or Bridge Bank, uh, the National Association will automatically become depositors of First Citizens Bank and Trust Company. Ultimately, the um, FDIC sees sees the cost of this uh, transaction to be approximately uh, $20 billion. So the cost of the failure of Silicon Valley Bank to its deposit insurance fund uh, will be approximately $20 billion. And so it goes on. The exact cost to the FDIC will be determined when the FDIC terminates the receivership here. So there are still plenty of moving parts as far as this story is concerned. But ultimately, I think what will be key, will this announcement this morning, which obviously has been timed to come well ahead of the market open here in Europe, market, yeah. will it begin to stabilise nervousness uh, around um, the banking sector
2: globally? Um, well Yes and no. Good morning to you both. Nice Good to morning. see you. Looking resplendent, and you are Karen as well, Karen. Um, but 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 seriously, why, why should it? The fact of the matter is, the hard core facts, regardless of what the the troop of regulators and politicians and bank CEOs have told us, mm. is the fact is that suddenly money is priced at a much more realistic level. Considering we have higher inflation and we're going for a high inflation period, ergo, that means more stresses on the people who have borrowed money and who have to refinance in 2023 and 2024. Yeah. Ergo, it also means more liabilities and delinquencies and problem loans for the said financial institutions, who in many cases have vast exposure, not only to CRE, and I know everyone's been looking at commercial real estate, but to a whole host of assets and individuals who basically are finding themselves in a lot more financial straits. Why shouldn't there be more financial stress at this stage? It goes right back to the point that we make at the start of every rate-hiking cycle, and we've seen one or two over the last 20 years, and that is it is not a slam dunk that because your NIMS expand that there is going to be better financial conditions for you. In fact, the Fed nodded to it last week and said, actually, what we do believe now is a lot of our rate-hiking job will now be done by tighter credit conditions. That's why we all looked at the H8 figures late on on Friday, which showed, actually, there wasn't less commercial lending. Actually, there wasn't less loans going out there, but that is where everyone's looking at now are there going to be less loans out and here's another point the h8 data on friday was fairly strong if uh, unlike as the Fed thinks actually there isn't less loans going out there because of the higher interest rates then the Fed will have to carry on raising rates because they think at the moment the credit markets are going to do the heavy lifting for them from here as well so you're damned if you do and damned if you don't if you're trying to find value in the banking sector
1: can I just pick up on some detail around this particular deal because I think you know as we look through the cleanup that's been taking place after SVB reverberated across markets we had this huge consolidation in Switzerland one uh, very big institution now. So if you look at who stepped into the fold here, this particular company that we're talking about, First Citizens, they are an acquirer of troubled banks in recent years. So they have stepped into the fold before. I think some of the international audience might be saying, why is this not one of the, the major listed Wall Street names here? Why is that not the ready acquirer? But there is a, a playbook here for this bank to, to step in. It is effectively a bank that calls itself a, a family-controlled bank, the nation's largest family-controlled bank. So What we see, that the 17 branches that uh, it's acquired here, they will effectively be opened as first citizens outlets. So the SVB name in some ways disappears, right? So you've got a rebadging here. Does that change the psychology if that name is just taken off the, the top of the door and you get a different name on top? Does that change the way those depositors feel about the institution? That's key here. We're talking about confidence of deposit holders, whether they still want to flee to some of the major lenders because they feel as though their money is not safe in some institutions. So I think how this is perceived on Main Street just as important as how it's perceived on Wall Street this morning.
2: The underlying question is the fact that is the financial system shakier now because people have too much exposure to too much finance that was issued at zero interest rates or very low interest rates? And the answer is, People don't know. People don't know where the, the next shoe is going to drop, whether it's in auto loans, whether it's in personal loans, whether it's in corporate loans. You were touting a, a very interesting story from whether it's in Chinese debt, the figures, and whereas in China, the interest rates are going to go up there as well. There is more. I mean, this is what I've been banging on about for decades. There is more debt in the system now than ever. And we were talking about trillions of dollars of debt left, right and centre. You don't know where the next shoe is going to drop as well. So I hear what you're saying. You're rebadging something. You've got a, a different company taking over. But it doesn't change the fact that you've got vast stock of debt which people are struggling to refinance. Yeah,
1: but in some of these cases, the trigger here was the very swift withdrawal of deposits. The, the, the speed of that most money Americans Karen, Most
2: Americans have got 4000 bucks <coughs> on deposit.
1: We were talking about very large institutions here uh, in the states that have seen inflows of deposits away from some of these smaller institutions, and that is about concern around the uninsured deposits. So I think part of the, the regulatory response here is to ensure you don't get that speed, that change that effectively takes out a whole layer, a whole tier of banking in the United States. So the confidence you see on Main Street is key to this story.
0: Um, I mean I I think key to this is is confidence as always when it comes to the banks and it's about the way that the market will interpret the actions of the regulators and the central banks here. So I mean in in this transaction what is clear here is they are not getting the whole organisation. That the 90 billion or so is going to be kept to one side and it will be returned to depositors by the FDIC. So they're getting bits of the bank basically. And I would imagine that that was part of the negotiation with the regulator and the FDIC that they sat down together and they said they 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 turned up and they said, "You know what, we'd be interested in some of the bank, but not all of the bank and we'd like certain support guarantees put in place to make sure that this transaction works." Okay, that's SVB, maybe this localized issue with SVB can now be dealt with and we can move on. But we've got lots of localised issues with banks, back to your point, Steve. And I think if you look at the portfolios of banks around the world, there are clearly unrealised securities losses in those banks because of the interest rate risk they've taken on over the last decade if you look at the portfolios of those banks there are clearly unrealized losses related to loans that they have dispensed regardless of which sector of the economy we know that there will be pain and there will be need to adjust valuations and some of those loans will not be made whole ultimately so those sit on the books as well now offsetting that as man glg point out in one of their recent reports on this sector is the deposit base and the deposit base sits there as an offset to those unrealized losses but to your point if those deposits start to leave very rapidly, then very quickly that seesaw becomes unbalanced, and that's where you've got a problem, and that's where the regulators need to get involved. That's why you need confidence to be maintained in the system, otherwise, people do start moving out of smaller institutions and into larger ones, which is what we saw. CNBC.com has a great piece on this on the website, so go and have a look at that. But what we understand here is there are potential potentially a lot of problems in the banking system regardless of the fact that we were told after 2008 We would never be in a situation again where there were banks that were too big to fail that couldn't be wound down by their domestic regulators and couldn't be managed into decline. And what we're seeing here is a real test of the authorities ability to uphold that promise because these banks have been consistently tested over and over again through the stress testing framework. The question is, is that system now fit for purpose, will it work, or ultimately are we gonna see the kind of distress in the banking sector once again that breaks up that 08 and, consensus? And guess what?
2: Um, just, just a nod to the price action on Friday in European banks. This ain't a great shock to a lot of people. As although everyone got excited about the 14% down in Deutsche oh my goodness me, it's irrational, says Scholz. It's irrational, says he- uh, Christian Saving. It's irrational, mm. says everybody. But the fact of the matter is, the market's been aware of this. For donkeys, why do you think, why do you think that Deutsche Bank trades at 0.3 price to book? Because the market has had questions about the book value of the assets at Deutsche and other banks, not just Deutsche, but Deutsche is a, a notable one because it stayed stunningly low despite the reorganization from Sahar Saving, despite the, the best profitability since the financial crisis. The market has stubbornly priced this one at between 0.27, and 0.35 price to book for years. Now, if you thought this bank had solved all its problems, it wouldn't be trading at 0.3 price to book, i.e. the price that the market has given it compared to the book value. Yeah,
1: it's funny, there's been a lot of discussion over the weekend that this is not the same as the financial crisis, but there are hallmarks that are very similar to the European debt crisis. I mean, we were talking about the blowout and the cost to CDS's to ensure against default. I mean, when were you flying to Germany, all those trips you made to Deutsche yeah, Bank absolutely. back in the day, right? Yeah. That was what just pre-COVID, so a number of years for the bank to try and turn itself around, arguably a slightly different timeline to Credit Suisse, because the problems that cropped up back in the day have had a number of years now to try and fix themselves thanks to a different strategy. Credit Suisse was in a situation where it had just come up with its strategy trying to exit certain risky parts of the portfolio, and then we have this particular situation that's hit. You've got to ask the question, if this were a number of years back and Deutsche Bank had just unveiled a strategy, would it be facing a difficult position today?
0: We, um, we're going to circle back to this story all the way through the program, inevitably, because the news is just broken and we're trying to figure out what the market reaction to it is going to be. And as, as you point out, you know, the reality is that all banking crises are different in their genesis, but effectively they're all the same because it's about organizations that have got above their or or have gone over their skis in terms of taking on too much risk for changing circumstances. We'll come back. IMF Managing Director Kristalina Gorgieva says risk to financial stability has increased in the wake of this month's chaos in the banking sector. Speaking at the China Development Forum, Gorgieva said the rapid transition from years of low interest rates to a harsher policy environment amid central banks had created vulnerabilities and stress because of higher debt levels.
2: So back to Deutsche Bank. Uh, Shares closed, well, they closed lower on Friday, well off their lows, having fallen as much as 14% over the course of the session, sparking fears that the crisis of confidence in Europe's banking sector still has some way to go after the failure of Credit Suisse. As I mentioned, Chancellor uh, Olaf Scholz defended the bank after its credit default swaps jumped to a five-year high. Deutsche
0: Bank has fundamentally modernized and reorganized its business and is a very profitable bank. There is no reason to worry. The European Union and the Eurozone are quite ahead when it comes to having clear rules. And these clear rules are also the basis for the very clear assumption that the European banking and financial sector is stable.
1: Swiss regulator Finmar said it could take disciplinary action against Credit Suisse, citing a, quote, cultural problem that translated into a lack of accountability as a key driver behind the lender's collapse. Speaking to a newspaper on Sunday, President Marlene Amstad defended the Swiss government's decision to write down $17 billion worth of 81 debt and said that the group is not a law enforcement agency. The crisis in the banking sector has increased the chance of a U.S. recession, according to the Minneapolis Fed President, Neil Kashkari, who says it is unclear how much the stress in the sector could contribute to a wider credit crunch. But he added deposit outflows have slowed, with some confidence restored among regional banks.
0: So where's the money going? Well, apparently the trouble in the banking sector has spurred a flight to safety in mega cap tech stocks. With shares in the five largest American companies uh, up as much as 12% since March the 8th when cracks first started to appear in Silicon Valley Bank.
2: Do you buy into that one? Um, Well, I buy into it because it's a market fact, but this is a sector which has laid off more people than most other sectors in the US economy. This is a sector which we were told there were concerns about the growth drivers going forward, including your very uh, pertinent point about AWS laying off as well, which is one of the (laughs) longer-term cloud drivers over at Amazon. So I buy into it because it's a fact, but here we are on the US markets on Friday, small gains, and and it's kind of like, well, are we in a wait-and-see mode really, because yes, the markets for the week were higher. We saw 1.2% on the Dow for the week, 1.4% on the S&P, 1.7% higher uh, for the Nasdaq as well. But is there conviction in either direction at the moment? I'm not convinced there is. I think that the Fed last week laid out the challenges. Well, we may not be raising rates so much anymore because we think that the credit markets are going to do the job for us, but what happens if the credit markets don't do the job for them? Do rate hikes have to be made? Because, As I say, the H8 data later on on Friday showed no sign really uh, of the kind of uh, withdrawal of liquidity that the Fed was uh, giving a nod to. But even if the credit markets do tighten, is that necessarily a good thing because we're not seeing rate hikes? Uh, not Not really, because the available liquidity to the U.S. economy uh, is going to be diminishing, isn't it? So you're not in a great place between a a rock and a hard place, potentially, in either direction. But what did Treasuries do? We can have a quick look at Treasuries for the week. Ten-year yield uh, trading at 3.4%, 33 nine percent there the two-year also having uh, a 3.8 handle 3.82. Uh, dollar crosses with a dollar last week lost 0.6 of a percent it did rally on Friday rallied uh, 0.6 of one percent that was a, a solid rally there but the pound trading 122 euro dollar 10763 dollar yen 13079 and dollar yuan 6.88. Uh, And uh, some of the other commodities, Uh, oil last week rallied uh, 2.8% for Brent, 3.8% for WTI. But again, you know, a lot of debate stateside about, well, are they or aren't they? Are they going to be filling up the SPR below 70 bucks? And Jennifer Granholm, the um, energy secretary, didn't seem to be in a hurry, did she? So uh, no clues there. But 75 bucks is where Brent is currently trading. Uh, And spot Gold, having given back a little bit of ground, but been a beneficiary of the turmoil in other markets, uh, $1,972 per troy ounce. So what are the Asian indices doing so far today? We have a mixed bunch with uh, green on the screen for the Nikkei, but declines on the Hang Seng. A lot of data out of China. We can come to that later on. Nine-tenths of one percent lower for the Shanghai Composite. Karen.
1: Coming up on the show, the IMF calls China one of the green shoots of the global recovery as industrial profits plunge. We'll break it down after the break.
0: And for more on First Citizens Bank's purchase of Silicon Valley Bank, as well as the latest market action, check out the Squawk Box podcast. We'll be right back, everybody. Uncertainties are exceptionally high, including because of the risks of geo-economic fragmentation, which could mean a world split into rival economic blocks, a dangerous division that would leave everyone poorer and less secure.
1: IMF managing director Kristalina Gorgieva there speaking at the China Development Forum in Beijing over the weekend. Gorgieva described China as one of the green shoots in the global economy, saying its rebound is important for the world. She also said China would account for around one third of global growth this year and urged to Beijing to boost consumption. Chinese industrial profits slumped in the first two months of the year as a COVID hangover lingers over the country's factories. Profits were down almost 23% adding to a 4% fall for the whole of 2022. Let's get out to Sam for more. Sam, the market has been looking for this bounce back post-COVID, the reopening theme from the mainland market, but it's not evident just yet.
3: Good morning to you, Karen. That's right. And the downbeat data managed to sort of eclipse the upbeat commentary coming from China's development forum over the weekend with Gorgieva, as you heard there, certainly talking about China's strong rebound, offering some hope, certainly for the global economy. And she referred to a Chinese proverb as well, that the whole year's work really comes down to what we see in spring. And we have seen really an uneven recovery playing out in the first two months of the year. And what this data Today really highlighted is that we are seeing the lingering effects of this pandemic. And so, what we're seeing is some of these imbalances in this profitability at these Chinese firms. And it also very much confirms that we are seeing a shaky start to the year for the Chinese factories because a lot of the other data has certainly pointed to when you look at PMIs and also that data trio we recently got that the manufacturing side of things is struggling to recover just as fast as the services sector, given that we have seen this nice rebound in consumption and also domestic tourism and travel. Now we do need to factor in, this is capturing the Lunar New Year holiday when things typically wind down during that seasonal period when it comes to manufacturing. And actually, if you look at this sequentially, we did see a rebound of 5.9% for these profits. But when you look year on year at that 23% decline, we did see profits falling pretty much across the board. And in terms of what happened there, we saw those upstream sectors particularly struggling companies in the business of things like raw materials, that was the big drag. Um, We also saw manufacturing uh, driving down those profits as well, particularly when you look at auto production, that was down around 40%. But as I said, this was across the board from the private companies to the SOEs and also the foreign firms. And analysts have put this down to a number of things. They've said that this is high commodity prices, uh, but also that export growth and actually we were talking to an expert this morning who said that that is perhaps going to be likely exacerbated by what we're seeing in terms of the uncertainties around the problems in the banking sector that you guys were just talking about uh, but also the uh, higher rate environment which is really weighing on those Chinese exports back to you
0: Sam terrific thank you very much indeed for that and I thought it was fascinating Uh, did anybody see the pictures of Tim Cook in Beijing right yes Tim Cook in Beijing this China Development Forum has been very interesting because there have been a lot of Western CEOs there Mm. and the timing as Xi Jinping was to Moscow not a great time to be seen necessarily in public at at this event the people were there; they just weren't going to the development forum. They were having meetings in five-star hotels around Beijing. I
1: think you call the term "kiss the ring." So we had at the same time. Is that what you call it? The uh, TikTok uh, problem in the United States, yeah. right? Where you uh, had big question marks as to whether there would be some sort of retaliation, some oh. backlash against American companies doing business in China. Obviously, right. Apple was in the sights of most investors last week. That if you saw TikTok banned, then would there be some sort of action? from the Chinese against big names like Apple, Nike, those that still have significant businesses, Tesla in China.
2: You remember this sketch very well. From St. Petersburg. From St. Petersburg. Absolutely. So post-2014, yeah. well yeah. before the current phase of the war. And again, there are those of us out there who think this war's been going on for nine years, and it has, ever since yeah. the invasion. Of Crimea and parts of the uh, Luhansk and Donbass. Fact is, there were many CEOs who we used to speak to overtly in St. Petersburg. We had them on panels in St. Petersburg to about the great Russian reformist revolution, and mm. then. After twenty fourteen, let's say after twenty fifteen, we were still in St. Petersburg because we were doing it as a journal as a journalistic exercise, mm. and yet those same CEOs were still there, but we couldn't get them near a camera. No, you couldn't. And it was amazing. So that's that, that I think it's, it's an old playbook as well. If they're legally allowed to be in the country and they're mm. legally doing business in the country, and there are absolutely no problems on that front as well, fact is, but they don't necessarily want to be seen there, but they are still there doing business. It happens every time.
0: Uh, well, Chinese local government debt levels exceeded 120% of revenue last year, according to a report from S&P Global Ratings. For more on how governments are trying to generate more income, local governments we mean, check out this story on cnbc.com. Musk's uh, CEO, Vincent Clerks, spoke exclusively to CNBC and warned that it may take some time for Chinese demand to return to pre-COVID levels.
4: From a production perspective, we really uh, have a lot of admiration for the resilience of of the the manufacturing capacity in China throughout the the COVID ordeal. So I think there is no real rebound that we expect to come here just because they have been able to keep uh, such a strong uh, manufacturing, uh, such a strong production throughout. On the the consumer markets, uh, China as a consumer market, we have yet to see really the full rebound. There's a lot of pent-up savings after two years or three years without uh, the ability to travel and engage in the experience economy as much as as normal. But we've not yet seen really the the Chinese consumer dig into those uh, Mm pent-up savings and, and splurge the way that we have seen maybe in the U.S. or in Europe as we came out of COVID.
1: So when's your best bet? when we might see a uh, significant pickup in consumer demand in China?
4: I think it's going to come gradually. Uh, it, this is still a very new phenomenon after a long uh, period of, uh, of isolation. So, so people are finding their groove and finding their, their new habits in this new life uh, slowly. So we expect also here in the second part of the year to see an improvement uh, of, of the, the, the economy, the, the general consumer sentiment in, uh, in China.